Hi, this is David Key. At Quo, we've worked for the last 20 years with many of the world's best-known travel brands. During this unprecedented global crisis, our world of travel has changed, possibly irreversibly. This series will see us speak with many global leaders to understand how they see the future of travel. And welcome to uh, Dilip Rajakaria, um, the Group Chief Executive Officer of Minor International and the CEO of the Minor Hotel Group, and a great friend of Quo and a, a, a longtime friend in, Tha- in Thailand. How are you, Dilip? I'm good, David. Thank you for having me on your program today. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure. I'm with Catherine Montien Vichien Chai, our Chief Branding Officer, as always, ably sitting beside me. Dilip. The it's still, as we were saying before we started recording, very relatively very early days in 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 this situation. Um, while in many countries we hope and we pray that the, the the virus is flattening out or disappearing or at least dying down, um, there's no guarantees that it's not going to come back, and there's no guarantees um, that it that it that it won't pop up in different places. Economically. It's having a devastating effect, and it's only now beginning to be measured. How do you feel in our home in Thailand and throughout Southeast Asia, the economic impacts of the virus will be felt? I think um, for, for Asia and the regional countries, uh, the economic impact is going to be severe, uh, and we have to be ready to embrace this. Uh, already, uh, <clears throat> the world... Uh, the World Bank and some of the other institutions have already said that we we are looking at a negative growth uh, this year uh, and possibly next year as well. Uh, and uh, hopefully with some turnaround by 2022, starting in 2022. So I think we, we need to be ready uh, for a really rocky 2020 and a 2021 with a slow recovery. Uh, where we will see some positive movements by 2022. That's where we we think it will be. Because I think, uh, especially the Asian economies, the, the, some of the key drivers uh, are dependent on some of the international markets as well. And I think that's what's going to hurt the Asian economy. Uh, and of course, it depends on what's going to happen with the Western economy, like countries like the US uh, and Europe, uh, depending on how fast or how quickly they come out of this crisis uh, will be a key indicator as to how the Asian economy will turn around. Said that, um, I think already we're seeing China uh, sort of starting to move, uh, which is quite positive. Uh, And China, of course, plays a a major role within the Asian economy as well. Uh, But again, in China, I think it's it's early days uh, for us to say anything, uh, but again, China will also show a very slow recovery. In the in the press this morning, um, here in Bangkok, and um, in the regional press, there's um, talk of both Vietnam and Thailand benefiting in some ways, particularly Vietnam, from the economic fallout from China. Are you saying that? 
Well, I think it's it's yet to be seen uh, because uh, as of today, uh, yes, even though China has opened up uh, and people are starting to travel uh, within China, you can see uh, how quickly uh, uh, the the whole wheel is starting to turn. Uh, and I think Thailand is their first point of entry uh, for the Chinese because we've always seen uh, China, the numbers, uh, especially coming into Thailand, is one of the highest uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, and then it trickles into the other places like Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and other places as well. So I think, uh, yes, when things start to move around, uh, which I think will be uh, maybe the earliest will be Q3, you know, we will see some, uh, some of the Chinese uh, actually coming back to, to Thailand and also then going forward to, to Vietnam and Cambodia and other places like that. Where we see uh, the, the, the initial recovery is mainly in the regional markets, you know, like Japan, China, Taiwan and places like that. We don't see much recovery coming from or much international guests coming into Thailand first uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and that's where we are sort of making plans uh, to make sure that we're ready uh, when things start to turn around. We're ready to actually get into these key markets and drive those markets for us. Um, Dilip, the, you know, in the past uh, <clears throat> decade or longer, Thailand has suffered numerous crises. We've been through political crises, the tsunami, um, the floods, and always the country's had this amazing capacity to bounce back. How do you see the country bouncing back this time? I think it's likely to be a lot longer and more, and more severe of an impact, but what do you, what's your take on that? I think uh, the only difference this time is uh, in the past, yes, we have seen SARS, we have seen bird flu, we have seen um, the swine flu, we have seen even Ebola as well, but it's, it's pretty much, it hasn't been at this extent, like you know, today it's a, it's a global it's a global pandemic, and and the number of and the casualty levels are quite high. We still don't have a vaccine, and we still don't have anything at the moment. So therefore, yes, in the past, uh, even after SARS, uh, Thailand did rebound pretty fast. Uh, you know, we did rebound within six months. Um, in this case. I think the rebound will happen within the regional markets, as I said before, but I think the international markets is going to take time. Do you think the infrastructure, the uh, border infrastructure, and the testing and the, health, and the health certificates and everything that's required are going to be able to be uh, implemented in, an, as, in as effective a way as they need to be in order for tourism to come back? Well, I think the main thing is we need to look at the tourism numbers, right? And when we look at, say, for example, in, you know, Thailand, they enjoy close to 35 million tourists coming in to Thailand. Now, even when you look at some of the Western economies, uh, you know, they're even struggling to test 100,000 a day. Uh, you know, UK can only test yeah, you know, 25, 30,000 a day. So therefore, this is going to take time uh, because of the, the lack of the testing uh, devices or the equipments we have. Uh, and therefore, that will take much, much longer 
Um, I saw Emirates, which has come out with a great initiative, like, you know, and I don't know how practical it is that they're saying that they will test their 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 customers or their, their travelers before they get on the plane. It takes 10 or 15 minutes. I'm not sure where they're going to get so much of the testing equipment uh, or the test kits uh, as such. But I think that would be a game changer. And uh, if if the airlines can start to do that, because and that will also give comfort uh, to certain countries, because I think even the borders are open, some of the countries will still have border control to make sure that there is control over uh, the the borders to 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 ensure that no one is carrying uh, the virus back into the country as well. Uh, so yes, I think. In my opinion, this is going to take a long time. Do you think this is an opportunity, and again, I'm talking locally in Thailand, for once and for all, greater public-private partnership or more influence garnered by private enterprise in managing of the airport, for example? Was this, I, because if, if, if we don't have this Emirates-like system some sort of system where there's some border control and there's a speedy check, um, you know, the likelihood of, of, of tourism in any kind of significant numbers coming back is pretty much reduced. Absolutely, David. I think uh, it's key. And we have seen in different countries, in different economies, how the uh, private-public partnership works. Uh, the PPP can be very, very successful if it's implemented in the right way, and if there is collaboration between the private uh, enterprise and also the public enterprise to coordinate and collaborate as well, I think it could be a great success story because from a private enterprise perspective, people will look at it from a more commercial side to see how quickly we can get things done. And from a public perspective, uh, I think you know they'll be able to cut through some of the uh, the red tapes uh, and make sure things start to happen and make it happen so that I think the, the two, the combination of the two can can actually be a, a good success. Um, and Dilip, uh, looking at your own uh, network, your own brands and your own portfolio at Miner, how have you reacted to the crisis? What is your short-term response? What is your medium to longer-term planning that you're, you're looking at? So for us, uh, because today we have exposure in about close to 60 countries uh, globally, we have looked at it by country. Uh, there's nothing uh, one size fits all sort of concept. Uh, each country, uh, we are dealing it dealing on a uh, on a one to one basis. Uh, like say, but I think the first thing we did was to make sure that. All our team members uh, are, are safe, um, and we, we have a, a duty of care towards our team members and also the customers as well. So the first thing we did was we we had to move in really fast. Say, for example, if I take Thailand as a case, we were the first to shut down our hotels, um, and even though it was painful, uh, we we felt that it was important step. Uh, to, to protect our team members and also to protect our guests as well. And that's what we did. And, and thereon, like, you know, we have then made sure, like, you know, we've taken other initiatives. Uh, 
in terms of uh, looking after our team members because you know this is a very very difficult period uh, and and especially in thailand there's not much support coming from the government uh, which is a little bit sad uh, and and the recent announcements like you know they have made is that you know the, even the social security office will only pay 60% of uh, the the salary and only the people who are earning below 15000 baht um, now don't forget uh, these team members have not only lost their salary they've also lost their service charge which is salary is a smaller component compared to the service charge because with our hotel the service charge makes about 60% or 70 sometimes 70% of their income and that has gone uh, so what we have done is uh, you know even though we are in a force majeure like you know we we have made sure like from our bottom team members to right to the top yes everyone is taking the pain pill uh, but taking it in different levels and make making sure that we 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 are supporting our team members during this difficult period even though the social security is saying that they can you know these payments will be made for april there's no way the payments will be made for april so what we are doing is we are now stepping in we are giving them loans uh, so that they will have monies uh, to at least get some food and uh, and basic rations and stuff like that uh, and they can survive the month of april so i think that's what we have done here in thailand uh, and uh, and with with the others we've taken pay cuts up to 50 percent uh, to to sustain the business and to make sure that the business uh, will remain strong and we will come back strong in certain countries like if you look at europe uh, i think spain has had some great initiatives uh, the government stepped in and they are paying up to 60% uh, of the salaries of the people who been uh, who are staying at home because in spain all our hotels are closed um, that's a great initiative and they're paying it for everyone so what we are doing is we are then topping up uh, the balance they they postpone mortgage payments they postpone loan repayments all these other things they have done uk also has done similar things uh, you know they followed and they're paying up to 80% with a maximum top up of 2500 pounds per person so i think some of the the countries have taken some really good steps uh, and and we are doing it by country uh, so so say even australia like you know australia announced that they're paying 1500 dollars every two weeks uh, for every single employee so we then top them up for the balance uh, but again australia what we have done is we've we've also found another business niche where the people who are coming from outside have to be quarantined for 14 days and we have offered our hotels Uh, to be the quarantine place where you know because of the oaks model they can stay in their apartments we we are providing them food we're getting uh, deliveries to our hotels and all those and they can be quarantined for 14 days and then they move out to to their families and and we've done the same thing with some of the hospital workers the nurses the doctors as well where we've reduced the risk of them going back to their own homes and infecting their own families so we are providing accommodation for them so they can stay at our hotel and then go to work as well so there's a lot of uh, initiatives which we have embarked on and, and we're doing 
we're doing uh, we on the food side we're providing food uh, for the health workers like say for example the Woolsey in London our restaurants are cooking food and sending it to all the NHS workers uh, because we have our staff we have our kitchens and and that's something we're doing to support the NHS and the staff there uh, so yeah so I think each country is doing their own thing to to actually support the team members and also to support the society as well. When tourism returns or when travel returns, be it business or leisure, um, we're talking, as, as you may have heard, about the difference between the analog and the digital age and the virus being the bridge between the analog and the digital age. But Dilip, in terms of the brands and in terms of whether it's um, Oats in Australia or the Anantara brand or, or the NH brand or whichever it is, when we reach the new normal, when travel begins to come back and supply will be enormous and demand will be small. The initiatives that you're doing now are creating opportunities. What else do you have to do with your brands in order to create that desire? I think there's a lot, uh, David, uh, which we need to, we pretty much need to resize our strategies and rethink our strategies based on the new, who is going to be our customers day after tomorrow. And that's going to change a lot. And I think initially we will see the millennials initially traveling and, and getting a little bit more comfortable. Some corporate travel, but on the my smart, on the my side, it would be quite low. And, and, and also the elderly will not be getting on the plane in the in, in soon after things start to recover. Um, so from our perspective, we're looking at different things. Uh, we are also looking at uh, high-tech uh, low touch, um, which will be the new emphasis going forward. Like say, for example, on the food side today, uh, we have this no touch policy. Uh, so all our food outlets, we are doing really well on the delivery side, even though our restaurants are closed. But our policy is what we call no touch policy, which means, you know, the food gets delivered, the, the driver doesn't touch anything, the, the customer comes and gets the food, and it's safe. They, they carry sanitizers and, and they, they're uniformed and they're, they're quite safe. We are looking at, uh, I think, the shared working spaces uh, will need to be reassessed again. Uh, we are looking at working from home. Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, reducing our office uh, size in terms of hot desk and stuff. Because I think, you know, today with technology, there's a lot you can do from anywhere and and, and, and and you can really work from home as well. From a guest perspective, uh, I think the, show, uh, the social, social distancing will carry on for some time uh, until people get uh, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, the hotels will need to be much more savvy and much more uh, taking much stronger steps in terms of health and safety uh, of their guests, uh, sanitize, sanitizing, uh, even the the, the, the the transfers of the cars, um, the culinary procedures or the culinary experiences. We believe that the wellness retreats uh, and the preventative wellness is could be another new business segment now uh, based on what's happening uh, in terms of uh, you know creating immune system uh, and, and being uh, the wellness as well. So I think there's there's quite a bit of drivers which is going to come in, which we which is going to be the new norm, I would say, 
and I think the businesses have to really think about uh, starting from almost starting from zero. And Dilip, we've been talking to various um, people about the role of OTAs in the future. Some people feel that the hotels will, will, will fight back against the OTAs and others are saying that there'll be such a big price war when things start to get back to normal, the OTAs will, will, will also will remain dominant. What is your take on that? I think, um, I think what's going to happen is, uh, whether we like it or not, there's going to be a fallout um, in the tourism sector. Uh, especially some of the larger companies will become stronger and some of the smaller companies, including uh, the owner-operated hotels, are going to fall by the wayside. Um, and therefore, they will have problems with distribution. Uh, they will be forced to do almost a fire sale, which we are already seeing today, uh, because they won't be able to meet their obligations. They have already let go all their staff on the basis of no work, no pay. Uh, so they have to start to rebuild the infrastructure. They have to start to rebuild the, the team members. They have to do training and all those things when the industry starts to turn again. So I think, and when it comes to the larger players, as you know, the larger players today, I think every single larger player is trying to segment from the, uh, the OTAs into their own brands. And that, that will continue, and, and the survival of OTAs will be there, whether we like it or not. Uh, because, of course, you know, as hotel companies, we cannot spend the amount of marketing dollars which the OTAs spend, uh, and the choice they offer as well. And I think they will both survive in the future. Ted, one last question, and then we must close because we've gone on too long. But um, in your home in Sri Lanka, and, of, and close to home in the Maldives, obviously right now tourism has been completely decimated and, and the Maldives uh, has been singled out by the IMF um, as the single big, the, one of the single biggest problems suddenly in uh, economies in South Asia. How do, you, how do you see the Maldives coming back? Um, and finally, um, to talk a little bit about Sri Lanka and what you feel is the prognosis for Sri Lanka. I think it's, um, I think when I when we compare Maldives and Sri Lanka, I have to take my hat off in terms of what Sri Lanka has done today. You know, they've really got in. They've got in really fast, even though it's caused pain uh, and 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 discomfort uh, for its citizens. But they've really controlled. For a country, uh, 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 it's an island again. Sri Lanka is an island, as you know. You know, for a country of that size to have only seven deaths is pretty much it's 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 phenomenal. And and what the government has done is amazing. Uh, they've only got two hundred and thirty odd cases, and sixty have already recovered. So, and and the government has also zoned uh, different places as well. And the red zone, people are not allowed to move. They're not even, the, 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 there's a strong curfew. So I think Sri Lanka will rebound. Uh, and Sri Lanka is always, you know, it's always been voted as one of the top destinations in the world. Uh, we saw how Sri Lanka rebounded after the bombs, uh, which happened last year. And I think Sri Lanka will come back. Uh, the only issue with Sri Lanka is, my fear is that the economy is going to take a bit of a beating uh, because this whole thing about the curfew and everything has brought the economy to its knees. And the government will struggle 
uh, unless otherwise there is some IMF funding uh, to 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 help or support Sri Lanka. But if I look at Maldives, Maldives is totally different. Uh, you know, you have different islands, and and it's very very difficult to control. And also, we heard that there was a case they found again in Malay uh, as well. And again, in terms of sophistication and testing, they're not as advanced as, as, as Sri Lanka. So I think there is going to be a bit of a challenge between the two countries. But I think Maldives, the only thing I would say is maybe the government could focus on what Maldives used to be in the past, which is a very high-end tourist destination uh, and offering the high-end tourists. And I think maybe people who have private jets and, and, and all these can also take some of these islands on an exclusive basis and, and be that they're safe as well. And Maldives could go back into that high-end luxury tourist destinations instead of they were navigating more towards the backpackers and they were navigating more towards the, the low end, which, which also was not good for Maldives. Um, and hopefully there could be a change of, uh, a change of mind here. Dilip Rajakaria, um, thank you so much for being a guest on The Future of Travel. Stay safe to you and to everybody at Minor, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Dilip. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me.